0: God, we are so thankful, Lord, just for your presence in this place. Lord, we are so thankful for the ways that we look back, um, even over these, these short few weeks, God, and see the ways that you have um, been faithful. God, as we look back, we see the ways um, that you have been loving towards us and that you have been our provider. And so, Lord, we come um, to you this morning as we gather together with thankful hearts, um, ready to give you praise and worship and excited to see and hear um, what you are doing, not only on this campus, uh, but on our region and around the world. It's your name we pray. Amen.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you're having a good day. And it's nice to be on campus uh, again. I've never been in your chapel service. And um, several months ago, I wrote to your president and asked her if she would accept my invitation for her to invite me to be here today. <laughs> and she so graciously agreed to that, and I brought some friends along with me. But we want to talk to you this morning about uh, offering yourselves. We've been singing about it. We'd like to give you some practical ways that you can give your life away to the glory of God and for the purposes of God. I want to speak to you just briefly, and then others are going to come. We're actually going to get out on time, so we're going to squeeze us all in here, and you you pray that the Lord will give me the gift of brevity today and clarity, and uh, we'll, we'll get along fine. I, I was It was in this room several uh, weeks ago, that I heard a message by the district superintendent of this region from John chapter 4, which is the story of Jesus meeting a woman at a well, a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan uh, prostitute uh, who was then living with someone she was not yet married to. It was a very complicated situation. And for Jesus to have been there was, was, was really uh, seen as an offense to religious sorts of people. You know, religious sorts of people get offended pretty easily. And that's not just something that's happened in this generation. It's been happening since the beginning of time. And they were really offended. Even his disciples couldn't figure out why Jesus would speak to this woman. He was, uh, he was crossing social taboos. He was violating religious taboos. Cultural taboos, everything you could do wrong, he was doing wrong that day. The fact is, uh, early in that chapter, uh, the Bible says that that Jesus had been in Judea, which is south in Israel, and he was going to go to Galilee to his home in Capernaum, which is north, and the Bible says in verse four that he left Judea or verse three he left Judea and went back to uh, Galilee, and he had to go through Samaria. Well, that's true, but it's not true. Uh, Samaria was is, was between Judea and, and uh, Galilee, but good religious people would have gone west or east and crossed the Jordan River and gone up the proper highway and then back so as not to be in contact with those awful Samaritans. So when the Bible says Jesus had to go through Samaria, It's true, but it's not true. Is that okay? I mean, it's telling the truth, but logistically, he didn't have to go. But in his heart and mind, he had to go, which which brought to my attention that everything important and constructive that happens in our lives happens primarily by intention. Now, God works through spontaneity. But he also works through strategy or thinking and planning. So Jesus went to Samaria, I'm convinced, on purpose to meet this woman. What we're talking about today is you going someplace with your life intentionally to meet somebody like this Samaritan woman. And to sit down with her and have a conversation in which you introduce her to the truth about God's love. Um, intentions matter a lot. When I was a, a, a student in one of our colleges um, over 50 years ago, I know you don't think I'm that old, but I really am. And so over 50 years ago, I was appointed to a committee to plan an event for the freshman class. Do you have some big doodah for the freshman class here? Yeah, you do. Well, and there's a committee appointed, and I was on the committee. And so I had to, uh, I had to get a committee of my own. Well, I had seen and kind of met a girl from Shreveport, Louisiana. So I decided as an executive in the committee that I would appoint her to my committee and along with some other people, of course. So there were about five or six of us on the committee, but we needed an executive committee. So I made her the other member of the executive committee. So it was me and her. Well obviously if you're the executive committee you have to meet in order to plan for the bigger committee meeting. So we did and forty-eight years later and three children later and seven grandchildren later, we're still we're still doing it. We're still meeting together. And and we still have an executive committee. The challenge is that she's now the chairman of the committee, and I'm just there. I do all the legwork, and she does the thinking for us. I just tell you that to say intentions matter, and and decisions that we make right now can last at least forty eight years and on beyond that. so the, the, the decisions we make, and what we 're going to talk to you today about, and, and you 'll have opportunity to talk after this chapel service is is again going someplace not to make a living but to make a life. That's extremely worth living. And to live that life for the Lord Jesus Christ and then get a job to pay for your Jesus habit. You know, people get all kinds of habits and they get jobs to support them. Well, we're just saying let's all get addicted to Jesus and the purposes of God. And then let's get jobs to support those habits. So we go someplace primarily for the kingdom of God. Now I know some of you aren't Nazarenes and, and you may not have a lot of interest in the, the future of the church of the Nazarene, but we all have interest in the kingdom of God. So we're not just talking about building the church of the Nazarene. We're talking about the kingdom of God and changing our culture. Do you still believe that God can change a culture? I think you believe that. And I want you to know that I'm convinced that you're the answer to the prayer of Jesus. When he said, let's pray that the Father will send forth more laborers into the harvest. You're the answer to that prayer. So in just a few moments, Dr. Bill Wiesman is going to come. And he's going to talk to you about some more practical things. But I want you to think in your mind today while the Holy Spirit is speaking, while we're speaking. And it's okay if he talks while we're talking. So he'll be speaking to you while we're speaking. But when he speaks into your heart about something, I want you just to say yes, 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 yes. And after a while, you'll have an opportunity to talk to some people who can put in your hands tools and opportunities through which you can fulfill God's call in your life. God bless you. Thank you. Dr. Eastman, come and talk to us a little more about uh, God's call and the intention to be His intentional servant.
2: Well, praise the Lord. I have some good news. These are the greatest days ever to be alive and serving Jesus. Absolutely, without a doubt. These are the greatest days ever to be alive and serving Jesus couple of reasons for that one is they're the only days we have <laughs> i mean this is it this is our chance this is our opportunity but but there's another reason as well and that is in the last 10 years more people have become followers of Jesus Christ than at any other 10 year period of history the last 10 years all across the world, all denominations, all tribes, all all followers of Jesus, 300 million uh, around the world. That, that's a lot of anything. <laughs> and those people are following Jesus, some of them in places where it may cost them their lives. Uh, and we get to be alive now. We, we, I sense that there is a movement of the Holy Spirit that is occurring around the world, and here's some more good news. It is also occurring right here in the United States. Woo! Praise the Lord. So no matter what you hear about how society is going crazy, and it is... The fact is that God's Holy Spirit is still in the business of transforming lives and communities and and bringing new life and hope and victory and and a future to people who think there is no future. That's good news for us and we get to be agents of transformation. We get to be agents of change to help people deal with, with poverty and lack of education and inequality and, re, and race relationships and inequality between men and women and, you know, just all the other stuff that Jesus is concerned about, we get to be part of, the, of changing the world in which we live. Isn't that good news? Praise the Lord. I think we have a PowerPoint that should be coming up. Is it working? Hey, there we go. Uh, next-gen challenge I uh, want to just share with you briefly and I'm going to introduce uh, Lindley and Chris Moser in just a minute who are going to come up and share a little bit more of what that means but um, it, it, here, here's here's what we're seeing the, there is evidence you know I got saved in Southern California I was a young adult just a few years older than you I'd been out of school maybe four or five years and uh, these crazy people moved in next door to us they were brand new in the neighborhood And as they were moving in from their moving truck, Fred Smith made his way across his driveway and poked his head over the fence into where I was standing because I was curious. I was looking to see what was going on next door. And he and his family literally loved my family into the kingdom. (laughs) Changed our lives forever. My wife got saved, my kids, my mom, my dad, both of my brothers, my sister— changed our family history. God is writing a new history now for us because of that neighbor who was willing to walk across his driveway and introduce us to, to people who were genuine and real and sincere. It wasn't gimmicks. It wasn't programs. It really was radical Christianity in action, and that's what we are seeing more and more. In Southern California, I used to do some surfing, and um, I can remember I don't live there anymore. I live in Kansas, Kansas. But I can remember being out there where the waves are breaking, and if you do it just right, you're you're there sideways on the surfboard, and you're looking back over your shoulder, and you see a wave that's beginning to crest, and you turn that board, and you get it heading in the right direction, and you begin to paddle, and you get up on your knees, and then you stand up on that rascal. And if you hit it just right, you can ride it all the way to shore. I believe what we're seeing now in the United States... Is that we are getting ready. We see evidence of that wave that's building. The wave of the Holy Spirit. Who is moving across our land. We see evidence of it everywhere. It's radical Christianity in action. People like yourselves who are taking steps of faith. To go next door. To go to the next town. To go to the next group of different people than us. And sharing the love of Jesus with them. In just the last four years here in the united states four years 500 in the church of the nazarene i know we have many different groups here but in the church of the nazarene 500 new expressions of the church of jesus (laughs) right here in the united states isn't that exciting but the truth is it's not your grandpa's church It's a different church. It looks differently. In fact, it looks so different in so many different places that you may not even recognize it as a church until you understand that when we talk about church, we're talking about people. We're not talking about buildings. We're not talking about steeples. We're talking about people whose lives have been changed by the infilling presence of God himself coming to live within us and sharing the love that he's put within us with other people. Not your grandpa's church. In fact, we have churches that meet in bars. Woo-woo. Is that okay? We We have churches that meet in boys' and girls' clubs. We have a lot of churches that meet in people's living rooms. That's a wonderful place to meet. Good fellowship. You can worship. Wonderful. Study the word. Next gen challenge that Lindley's going to come and share a little bit about is to inspire and equip next generation leaders to embrace church planning to reach the world for Jesus Christ. That's what we see already happening around the world, and here it is being led by young people such as yourself. Uh, Let me give you just a couple of real quick illustrations. Jeremy McLaughlin, I like his hair. Isn't that cool? Green Bay, Grace Harbor, they average about 85 in morning worship. He said, God gave me a vision to start 30 churches in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in the next 10 years. They are all kinds of different expressions of the body of Christ. He started two already. The last one he started was in February of 2015. They meet in a boys and girls club. They baptized 11 people on the third week. How do you like his baptistry? Isn't that cool? That's a kiddie pool. That's low cost. They have a third church that's starting in the... And an old bar. Cabot McLaughlin is his son. I was there for an assembly a meeting uh, just a couple of months ago. And Cabot came up to me and said, can a 14-year-old start a church? What do you think I said? <laughs> you betcha. So this is his launch team. He has a, an adult sponsor there in the middle. Cabot's the poor guy with the Chicago Cubs shirt on. You know? <laughs> There's always hope, right? <laughs> Not a lot of hope, but some hope. This is the launch team of Compass. It's a new church plan for students at his middle school. Their mission is helping students navigate to Christ. They're praying for 10 students in that middle school to find Jesus this year, to find their way to what it means. That's why the word Compass. Matt Robinson, great guy. Just a couple of years ago, 2011, Uh, Matt and six other couples moved from Northwest Illinois believing that God had asked them to to answer a call from him a vision that he had given them to move to the city of Indianapolis and start a new church and so they did all of them Matt and the other six couples they got jobs in that city they got they started a brand new church but beyond that Matt says the vision God has given us is to start 15 new churches In the next 15 years, one new church every year for the next 15 years. They started one in 2013. They have a second one in progress now. Isn't that exciting? So, the question we would ask you is Are you up for a challenge? Are you up for a challenge? We are going to have a next gen challenge. It'll be held here on the campus November 14th and 15th. That's a Saturday and a Sunday morning. Uh, It'll go from like 10 o'clock in the morning till 6 on Saturday. And then the 15th, you'll be out in a local church plant here uh, getting practical hands-on experience. You can register by going to that website if you'd like to. I want to show you about a two-minute video. And then Lindley Moser and her husband Chris. Um, we'll just have Chris or Lindley come up if you would. But uh, Chris, stand up. I want you to see how. Yeah, here's a big guy. And then Lindley, stand next to him, will you? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Lindley's going to come. She's, a, she's the director of the Next Gen Challenge and uh, just share for a few minutes. So let's let's watch the video and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us.
3: My senior year of high school, we went to Brazil, Sotocaba, Brazil, and we helped build an educational facility for a church. And now I am a worship leader at a church plant in Playola, Kansas. Being a part of a church plant, being able to grow um, just small, starting with just my four... Uh, family members, growing from there, being able to connect with so many different people. So that church planning experience was really cool because uh, pretty much we just went out in the community and uh, got to talk to people. It was really fun to get to see them and get to um, create relationships and talk to them too. There's a lot of back details that come with planning churches. You have to start from the bottom and work your way up. To be able to connect with people who don't know who Christ is and to be able to tell them who God is. One of the hardest things for me was um, just being able to make relationships without like, looking at them as targets. We're here, and we want to be a part of the community, but we also want you to be a part of us. We want this church to help this community, and so we're staying here, and if you need something, we'll be there. When you know what to do, when you have the experience firsthand, you'll really be able to explain exactly how things are going to go. The importance of training is just, um, it gets you ready to go out there. I think NextGen is a really good training program, and NextGen, it really helps you give you those resources give you the tools the next gen training is actually really cool because it prepares you for the ministry that you're going to be facing it gets you ready for everything that's going to come at you next gen is great it helps you reach out and gives us the ability to have the right tools to reach out to others for christ i'm thompson and i'm ready for the challenge my name is whitney and i am ready for the challenge i'm ben and i'm ready for the challenge
0: The question this morning is... Are you ready for the challenge? I want to encourage you right now to grab your challenge cards that you were given as you came into chapel, and I want you to begin to uh, fill those out. We want to get connected with you, and maybe you've heard something today, and you've said to yourself, I I want to at least um, hear more about what it means to live missionally in my church, in my community. I want to know more about what it means to uh, go and, and plant a church, and as you're filling that out right now, I just want to encourage you and tell you that the time is right now, students the time is not years from now the time is now for you to get connected. And as you're filling out your challenge cards, I just want you to think for just a moment about uh, the church that you call home. And maybe that's a church that you grew up in that you call home, or maybe that's a church right now that you call home, or a Bible study on a weeknight, that that would be the place that you would call your church home. But I want you to think for just a moment about the church that had an impact, a profound impact in your life. And I want you to think about the reality that at one point in time, that church had to begin from somewhere. That church was actually a church plant started by people who were crazy enough to believe that God could do something in their lives and they could make a change in the world around them. And the reality is that God wants to use you in the same way. How many of you would like to plant a church in a barn? How many of you would like to plant a church in a tattoo parlor? Or how about a double-decker bus that has a coffee shop on the bottom deck that travels all over the city serving coffee to the community and hosts Bible studies up on the double-decker bus? How many of you would like to be a part of a church like that? The reality is that there are all kinds of churches all over the world. But here's the reality. We need more churches like that. We need more churches that are reaching people with the hope of Jesus. And I just wonder, is there somebody in here today that is crazy enough to believe that God could use them in a powerful way, that God could send them into their communities, and that you could make a change in the world around you? Is there anybody in here that believes that God could do that in your life? Anybody? And the reality is that today, the time is now for you to accept the challenge. Because the reality is that the world needs to see people who are crazy about Jesus. The world needs to see people who know the answer, who know the message of hope, and who are willing to do whatever it takes to share the love of Jesus with somebody else. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I feel called into ministry. I feel like God is is calling me into full-time ministry. and I want to be a part of what he's doing. And maybe some of you here today, you say, you know what? God is calling me to be a teacher, Or God is calling me to be a doctor or a scientist or an artist. Maybe some of you in here say, I don't know what God's calling me to yet. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I'm just here at college just kind of hanging out. But the reality is that whatever you're doing in life right now, God wants you to be a part of what he's doing. Because church planning is not just a good idea. It's a God idea. And it started in the first century, and God has been writing his story across humanity ever since. And it begins with church planting. So maybe you would say, I I just want to know more about what it means to go into my community and to be a part of a church planting team. Maybe you just would say, I I know that when I graduate, I want to be a part of something bigger than myself. I want to be a part of what God is doing in the world around me. And that's where Next Gen comes up. The Next Gen Challenge Weekend is an opportunity for you to come together with us and to receive the tools and the resources and the know-how of how to live missionally in your community. How to go into the world and do what God is calling you to do. So I want to encourage you to fill out this challenge card. Be sure to drop it in the buckets on your way out. And I want you to encourage you to stop by the Next Gen booth at the lunch hour. Get connected. We have Red registrations that are going live and so you can register right there but these are great days aren't they and we have the message of hope don't we so let's go out there and share it
1: I leaned over to Dr. Wiesman and I said they'll follow her anywhere so thank you so much and uh, you have witnessed a miracle today and you weren't even aware of it you've had You've had three preachers. Well, I had, Patty and I had supper with dinner up here, I'm sure, with uh, Dr. McGee last night, and she said, Now you know chapel ends at a certain time. And you'll, you'll let everybody know that, won't you? So <laughs> we're going to get done early. Three preachers on a platform, and we're going to get you out early. Now that's a pretty good deal. That's worth starting a church over right there. So. <laughs> I want to introduce some of our our district superintendents and pastors, church planters that are here today. They're right down here in the front. Well, let me introduce Justin Pickard first and his wife. Would you stand? He's the director of Nazarene Youth International in the United States and Canada. And it's so good to have you here. Thank you for being here. But I want our pastors and district superintendents who've come. Would you stand and just turn and face this crowd so they'll know who you are? And, and they've, they've made the trip because they believe in you and they believe in the future of the kingdom of God. And for us, the Church of the Nazarene, but primarily the kingdom of God in this world in which we live. Thank you, Dr. McGee, for letting us come. Thank you for your warm reception. And we do look forward to seeing you in the on the main floor of the, what do you call that building? Student Center. That's a good name for that building, isn't it? Yeah. Unique and uh, clever. So, Good. We're going to be there, and and we'll kind of be here. You can come down if you want to talk to us after the service as well. I know you have classes to attend. Would you stand with me? I've been asked to pray a prayer of benediction. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful student body. And you're the only one that knows what's wrapped up in the lives of all these young people here today. And I know that you're heavily invested in them. You have given your Son, Jesus Christ, so that they might come to know the everlasting life and many of them are feeling a call and an inclination to do something more more than they've seen in other people just something more maybe maybe not to vocational ministry but some way to commit more deeply to kingdom interest and we're praying that you'll help them to see that they are more than up to the challenge through the empowering of your Holy Spirit. Go with us as we go throughout the day. Make our conversations uh, profitable uh, during the noon hour and keep your hand upon this wonderful school. Bless our president and our faculty and everyone who's involved. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Hope to see some of you over there today.